Hello and welcome to the EuroWhat, episode number 21 for the week of July 2nd, 2018. I'm Mike McComb and I'm joined today by Ben Smith. Hey Ben. Hey Mike. And our guest, Maura Johnston. Hi Maura. We're a bunch of Americans trying to make sense of the Eurovision Song Contest, and in honor of the 4th of July, we'll be talking about whether or not we think the U.S. should compete in Eurovision. But first, hi again, Maura. How's it going? Hey, pretty good. A little hot, but uh, otherwise pretty nice here in uh, lovely Boston, Massachusetts. Awesome. Ben, do you agree with the Boston assessment? Uh, Yeah, the weather's been very hot and I do not like it. Yeah. Yeah. It's very melty, so <laughs> very melty. Oh my gosh! Yeah, it it was it was towards like the the nineties over the weekend, which I'm just not prepared for in general. Mm-hmm. So it's been a fun weekend, and I'm very glad that I have air conditioning in my apartment. Yes, same same here, and I have a fan uh, supplementing the air conditioner as well. So we're all breezy. I, I look like mm-hmm. a I look like I'm about to walk into a dramatic scene. It's very exciting. Yeah. Yeah. All of all of the airflow. <laughs> <laughs> Well, speaking of wind machines. Oh, yeah. Uh, excellent, excellent segue, <laughs> Mike. That's that why up? we pay you the yeah. big bucks. There we go. Yeah. So, Maura, how, how did you get introduced to Eurovision? I was trying to figure this out, actually. Um, I definitely knew about it on like a low level from my Irish cousins and uh, other people like pen pals that I had from England. But I didn't really become aware of it, I think, until the late 90s slash early 2000s when... I joined a message board called I Love Music, which was very, very heavily British specifically, although there were other uh, European countries represented. And it was also like this place where the idea of like pure pop was celebrated. So the fact that, you know, ABBA was one of the standard bearers of Eurovision and Francois Hardy too, like, you know, that definitely, those definitely fed into, I think, the idealism that was associated with Eurovision every year, which of course didn't always work out in the best way but you know it it was definitely like a constant topic of conversation and then i feel like it really hit with my friends the year that lord d won with hard rock hallelujah because that was just sort of i think a lot of people were also waiting for like the next andrew wk record to come out <laughs> and lordy so, lordy sort of like slid right in there's like well, we're not going to hit ourselves in the face with things, but we do have cool costumes. So, you know, it kind of worked on that level. Awesome. Sounds like you've been following the contest for quite a while. Uh, yeah. how, how did this year's contest compare to previous years? Um, well, my favorite Eurovision songs are Euphoria by Laureen mm-hmm. and I Feed You My Love by Margaret Berger. And I feel oh, like okay. nothing reached those two particular heights so it was definitely uh lukewarm on it compared to other years but you know it was fun and it was fun to like watch it's also been interesting watching it as it's gained more of an american audience you know and just watching the the reactions to it because i feel like there's a lot of parachuting in i guess from people who are like we don't really understand this but go these guys and so it's that's been interesting just like kind of in in an abstract cultural criticism sense but i'm still holding out for like another song like i feed you my love is actually my favorite of the last like 10 years but um obviously it didn't win but you know it was good and so i would say that this year was you know fine i guess not great Mm -hmm. but that's kind of in keeping with 2018 where it's like fine okay it's fine that's that's great go let's just go with fine so fine Mm -hmm. is 
fine is totally great for 2018. Exactly. Well, cool. Well, thank you for joining us. Before we get into the main topic of today, we wanted to do a little bit of housekeeping. Uh, yeah, a little kinda... bit of a check-in on the what's happening in the Eurovision summer, which is, as always, not too much, but still things. A couple episodes ago, we did an episode focusing on what kind of drag acts have been in Eurovision, seeing if that was really a thing. One thing that came out of that is we had a user comment just via Twitter, uh, just asking us, hey, uh, did you guys mean to exclude Dana International? The answer around that was like, no, I think we there were a lot of th- different directions we could have gone for Pride Month, just covering LGBT stuff and the contest. And we chose to do sort of a narrow focus on just specifically acts that identify as drag in the history of the contest. Right. Yeah, we definitely did not want to conflate drag and trans identity because those are not the same so, thing yeah those are not all. the same thing that's all those, those are those are two different things we'll be talking about dana international in depth uh and at some point in the next year because like israel is hosting the contest right she she will definitely be part of the conversation uh as we get closer because she was the last the last act to win for israel so right and just speaking of israel just start checking in on where things are with the process the ebu and just the eurovision people in general have confirmed that despite rumors that things were going to be sent to austria of all places next year no we are going to be holding things in israel but we don't know what city there there's currently four cities in the bidding process we have jerusalem tel aviv haifa and elat tel aviv seems to be the favorite to host just because they have a couple different venues one of them that's sort of the standard eurovision arena size a lot is sort of getting in there and saying hey we'll build a venue but we'll see if that actually comes to fruition there's just some stuff with uh just with jewish culture and shabbat schedule and some countries like ireland in particular are still considering boycotts if things do end up in Jerusalem, which again is why that's a whole thing. At least things will be interesting in the off season. So I guess looking forward to that question mark. Yeah, yay <laughs> news and, and the reason to keep talking about things on this program. Exactly. Also in the last couple of weeks out of nowhere, and I think the announcement I found was from Hollywood Reporter or another sort of media outlet was just that Netflix is currently developing a Eurovision movie featuring Will Ferrell, which cool uh seems to continue the trend of 90s snl alumni moving to tv or streaming projects like mike myers is doing the gong show now rob schneider has some sort of netflix thing and the whole netflix original movie thing has me a little concerned but on the other hand really just give me like maya rudolph in like a supporting (gasps) role in that movie as one of the acts and i'm good to go oh man yes yeah i'm not much of a will ferrell fan but if it means that we would get i I don't know like you said maya rudolph if if it was like maya rudolph amy poehler and rachel dratch as like some sort of older version of ogene from the netherlands in 2017 (laughs) i like that you have already cast this yeah like i i will be first in line I mean, like, really what I want Netflix to do is to just do an hour-long special that is just an extension of the basket of wigs bit she did on Seth Meyers about a year ago, but that's just me. (laughs) And also, I feel like Netflix is really into, like, cross-pollination, so, you know, of other uh, Netflix properties, so it'd be really fun to see, you know, maybe um, Alison Brie show up or Parker Posey, since she was in Mascots. Parker Posey would be kind of an amazing... Eurovision but yeah, like tap, tap that that well of various people who are doing projects at at Netflix, exactly. like like Parker Posey, like that, like even like somebody like Jonah Ray, who is currently doing the Mystery Science Theater reboot, mm-hmm. has yeah. really good comic sensibility. Yeah, or anyone on Glow. And it's surprising too that like there hasn't been anything from like the Eurovision people being like, um, 
yeah, cease and desist. So I don't know if they're on board with this. It could be a step in the U.S. participating in some capacity. I don't know. Like, I mean, on the other hand, one thing that we came out of our last discussion about the Apple was like there was there was like no, hey, you can't call your thing the World Division. But on the other hand, like the Apple just kind of happened. Yeah. That's... <laughs> like, oh, did it happen? Kind of did Whoa. what they wanted, and then. Have there been any other, aside from the Apple, obviously, have there been any other, like, fictionalized versions of Eurovision or, you know, mockumentaries or, or like, sort of um, a series set in that in that milieu? Not really, I don't think. Like, one, yeah. like if, I mean, this is mostly just something I would want to see, but, uh, the la- like, the last time Sweden hosted, or, like, the time before, because they do it very often, <laughs> they had uh, Sarah Dawn Finer as this character who's, like, the head of the EBU, Linda Woodruff, where, like, her whole thing mm. is that she, she is just sort of not really caring about the host nation or paying attention, where she's just sort of wildly mispronouncing names, just sort of glazing over, like, the cultural things, just sort of rotely, but it was just always hilarious. So, yeah. like, if anything, I would want to see further with that yeah the only thing i can think of is there's this movie souvenir that uh ryan uh sent us the link to uh, a couple months ago which is like this french film about a fictionalized story of france competing in 1974 france was did not compete in that year and just sort of the aftermath of that but it didn't sound like it was a comedy or anything oh yeah no that, that. that movie is like coming out or in production though so okay yeah what was her name uh hubert uh, Isabel Hubert. Isabel Hubert. Yeah, uh, yeah. She she's the one starring in it, and it sounds really interesting. But it it's, sounds like it's also the opposite of Will Ferrell's. So. <laughs> yeah, so that feels like a very prestige drama. Not yeah. Mm-hmm. It'll be interesting to see if and when and how this all comes about. Well, yeah, wow. and like just given this and other American interests, like as we've discussed, like Twitter and social media seems to have fi- has caught on to this whole Eurovision thing the past couple of years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Both times that I've been to Eurovision like and and talking with people, the question always comes up, so when do you think the US is going to participate? And it's just like, um, yeah, yeah, and I try to change the subject as quickly as possible, <laughs> but <laughs> I mean, on the plus side, in like an arena that's very easy, just look, pyrotechnics. Yeah, yeah. Lots of shininess. Yeah, it's great. But I mean, looking into it, it's a case of, well, how would the U.S. participate just yeah. in terms of like eligibility type thing? So yeah. did a little yeah, digging. Like purely from a process standpoint, what would we have to do? What, yeah. what kind of paperwork do we need to file? Right. So there are several hoops that all participants have to jump through. One is they need to be an active member of the EBU. And what it means to be an active member is you're a broadcaster that's available to 98% of your country's potential viewership. And that that percentage may fluctuate. But so like the BBC, as an example, as state television, it's available to everybody. They need to broadcast the previous year's contest. And again, that's another one that can be determined case by case. There is an associate members level, but that's more for like international, well, like intercontinental members. So like ABC, CBS, Uh, NBC, the Corporation for Public Broadcasting, which is essentially PBS, NPR, they're all associate members. So like when they're working in collaborations with like other broadcasters that are EBU members, like that's 
how that agreement works out. Right. And that's why we have things like Australia. Like that's how they sort of get to sneak through is that they are an associate member because they have some sort of global programming. Right. And then another hoop that is part of the process is uh, being in either the European Broadcasting Area or the Council of Europe. And this is how North Africa and like Israel. Really just like any any of the countries where you go, okay, but how are they in Eurovision? Right. They they could fall into the European broadcasting area. It's sort of like how in Detroit and Buffalo and other sort of border cities, you can get Canadian TV stations and Canadians can get American TV stations. It's just because so the broadcast area can potentially expand outside of what is known as Europe. Iraq, Liechtenstein, Saudi Arabia, Syria, they all fall into the broadcast area, but they're not EBU members. They could be, but mm-hmm. yeah. Well, yeah, they, I feel they, like Liechtenstein is trying to put together the money, I think, at this point. to They, they, they have interest, similarly. Right. And then Kazakhstan could apply for uh, the Council of Europe, which is like a land border thing. I'm still not 100% sure what the Council of Europe is, but yeah, there's just enough of Kazakhstan. I think it's like 4% of the country (laughs) is within the geographic area known as Europe. So it's like, all right, that's enough to qualify. So they could get in that way. And I know Kazakhstan has been like really trying to get into Eurovision. So if they can get their Council of Europe membership uh, in order, that would be their entry point to the contest. Obviously, the US is not in the European broadcasting area. Mm -hmm. Um, And then uh, (laughs) they are an observer of the Council of Europe because we acknowledge democracy. But then like, our, our membership is also like kind of suspect because of <laughs> since we have the death penalty and that's considered a and, human and, rights violation. And just, and just like waving in the general direction of our country. Yeah, yeah. So they're not going to get full COE status anytime, probably ever. But probably like, ever. Like yeah. let's let's face it. But basically, much like Australia, we would need to be invited into the the Eurovision House. Right. So if we were to receive that sort of invitation. Should we go? Should we be part of Eurovision? I don't know. Maura, Maura do you have any thoughts on this? <laughs> My thoughts are, uh, I mean, yeah. like, I, you know, I feel like part of the fun of Eurovision is the way that it doesn't have the sort of American hegemony lording over it. It's kind of like every article about, like, great cities in America that doesn't include New York and L.A. as a matter of course, because... Obviously, we know that there's a lot of stuff that's going on in New York and Los Angeles. And I feel like, especially if you look at the charts right now around the world, you know, American pop is still, and Canadian, which we'll get into in a a bit, American pop is still the kind of like dominant force. And I feel like with Eurovision, it's a celebration not only of like really over the top fun music that's kind of like a celebration of, not not to use celebration twice, but that's really like, you know, lifting up the country that it's representing but it's also kind of like hey this is what else is happening in pop that isn't emanating from offices in new york and los angeles i guess which Mm -hmm. you know sort of reinforces Mm -hmm. my original point i would say that maybe you know if anything it could be like the halftime show or not the halftime show because that would then would take away the the spectacle of everything else too but i feel like it would be a better it would be a more humble decision to say Oh, thanks for inviting us. But, you know, like, we want to let everybody else do it. But that means that they're, that the U.S. is probably going to join Eurovision at some point. 
Mm-hmm. So, well, yeah. Denmark essentially invited Australia to be the the midpoint act during the final just because they've been fans for years. Right. So, so yeah, it would essentially be sort of the canary in the coal mine that we would be joining. Eurovision feels like it sprung out of this whole music festival system that some places in Europe still have for, mm-hmm. for these emerging acts, where it's, it's as much a celebration as it is a contest. Right. And we tend to just focus on the contest part as Americans and wanting to win. Yeah. And the, well, the, the celebration happens after the winner is crowned. So the, the celebration exactly. is contingent on there being one person over everybody else, as opposed to like half the fun is getting there, you know, mm-hmm. exactly. Like exactly. half the fun like, is so getting there is of- not week 13 of American Idol when you have yeah. to listen to like all the quarterfinalists. That's not fun. That might be my American Idol scar is showing, but <laughs> <laughs> the other part of Eurovision is that Europe Europe sort of like passive aggressively airs out its grudges in the voting. Yeah, the UK, despite sending some decent entries in the last few years, just constantly sort of ends up near the bottom of things. And maybe part of that is just like people are kind of unhappy with Britain right now for for a multitude of reasons. Mm-hmm. But I feel like people are also not super happy with us at the moment. Really? What? Wait, what? I have to check my. I have to check the news. Eurovision, a political contest. <laughs> Drink. I feel like we would not respond well as a people to not showing up in like the top ten. Oh yeah, no way. And that's part of just sort of this this notion of American exceptionalism, where we need to be the best or the winner, and we don't re we don't react well when we're not. However, I will say, even though I you know I do think that America joining Eurovision would not be the best idea, I will say. The interest in the World Cup this year does provide a counterpoint to this, right? Because the U.S. isn't in the World Cup, but the viewing and the passion about it has been very high. But I think it's different with sports than it is with culture culture and cultural competitions. To me, it seems like America's version of Eurovision is like the best song nominees at the Oscars, like when, when oh, they have them perform one. on stage, like the last couple of years, like watching those performances to be like, Oh yeah, these are kind of Eurovision y and just in how they're being staged. And like, if voting were to happen, like at the ceremony, instead of two weeks before the awards are handed out, I feel like that's the closest it could be. But at the same time, like, even though I don't think America would do well at Eurovision, politics aside, it would be baffling to see how the U.S. voted in Eurovision. Like, how how on earth would points be given out? <laughs> like, I mean, yeah. the, like, the, the jury, yeah. like, that would probably be on, like, te- technical merit, but, like, it would probably be the same as just having a random number generator <laughs> for, like, all of the other countries. It's like, Bulgaria, Belarus, I don't know, sure, whatever. Yeah. Marks and Daly yeah. hosts Eurovision dice. We pick yeah. the winner just by rolling giant dice. <laughs> but, yeah, just thinking about, okay, so how would it channel our 50 states worth of voting into the final points? Like, also, like, who would we pick to represent us? We certainly have the requisite, like, reality show competition talent pool to pick from we have we have an america's got talent we have well we used to have an x factor we don't anymore american idol is back the four is a thing that happens <laughs> and as as mike i think that you noted in our notes for the show uh just bring back rising star in yes. all caps i <laughs> i recall watching that and like tapping on my phone on an app but i do not 
I, I I do not understand that one. That one that one was just fun. Also, like Josh Groban's just a delightful host. Like I've I've gone into this before on the on podcast, but it's how Israel selected their last four Eurovision uh, contestants. So uh, it it must be working for some folks. But yeah, the reality show route is interesting just because like everybody's just performing cover songs on those shows like it's very rare that you hear them singing original compositions america's got talent i feel like one of the more recent winners wasn't well was a singer but the singer was a child ventriloquist right <laughs> which is, is not necessarily a terrible choice for a eurovision entry but also does not as we mentioned lend itself well to original songs right well and songwriting doesn't lend itself well to tv either as evidenced by the songwriting competition that I, I believe it was on Bravo a couple of years ago that Cara oh, Diaguardi. Yeah. I watched a good chunk of that season and yeah. yeah. And it's tough. I mean, it's interesting because I actually, in my old, old days of working at a, at a major sports leagues website that went into video early-ish, in the, so in the mid-2000s, we worked on a show called Star Tomorrow. Do you remember this show? Mm-mm, and Star no. Tomorrow was kind of like, a. it was a place where artists showcased their original music and original like there were some people who danced and stuff um it did not last very long it was on nbc i believe it was on streaming nbc back in the mid 2000s when not a lot of people were streaming anything but it was interesting because it was this competition of people you know with music that they had that they weren't covering songs they were performing either original material or material that had been written for them it did not do very well, as evidenced by the two of you probably not knowing what it was but until I mentioned <laughs> it just now. Out of all of the sort of singing competitions that have sprung up in the last, however, I guess, 18 years now, I feel like that's the one that was closest to Eurovision, if only because it didn't rely on already known songs. Because that's another thing, too, is so many of these competitions, until the very end, only deal in covers. With very few exceptions. I mean, Philip Phillips was a very big exception where, where he would be like, nope, I'm playing my own music. But yeah. even Chris Allen had to redo Kanye West in order to advance to the you know finals of season eight. So We don't have an analog for like a Melody Festival in where it's the same 32 original songs starting out and sort of whittling themselves down to the best total performance. We have... We, tr- we find the artists and then we give them an original song after they've yeah. proven themselves over like the course of 20 something covers. Yeah. And the songs that they're given are not great. I mean, I guess a moment like this was okay, but then every other idol song after that, just it was diminishing. This returns. is my now. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no boundaries. Yeah, yeah, not flying not without wings. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. But that I think brings up another question, which is like, what? kind of music would be best to represent the u.s in eurovision you know what style of Mm. pop because when i talk to my friends about eurovision you know they bring up schlager a lot which is that really sort of like high energy peppy very vocal harmony focused uh music that you know abba certainly was based in and a lot of other countries have their own versions of this that are you know kind of the songs that get shunted into the eurovision contention and it's like what kind of music would we even pick especially now with pop being in this like trough of like post malone and the chain smokers and everybody being either bummed out or super braggy Mm -hmm. would it be florida georgia line doing cotton eye joe 
Wait, I, I should write that down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> dear A and R people. <laughs> yeah, dear, yeah, dear A and R people. Is it time that we bring back Cotton Eye Joe? But yeah, like, just how do you boil down what's going on in American music into something? The entries that I like in Eurovision are the things that are sort of blending what's going on in pop music as a whole with whatever sort of folk traditions there are in the nation, whether it's in the instrumentation or in the vocal harmonies or in something like that. And with America, we're in sort of the same situation as we have with Sweden, given that they produce a bunch of our pop music, is that a lot of it is that like pure pop stuff when i was sort of thinking okay so if i could if i was somehow on the panel to choose the american eurovision entry i don't know how that would happen but <laughs> like my goal would be to do would be to try and find somebody who's reasonably well known in america or at least has like some sort of well i mean admittedly my taste is very much more on the indie side of pop so a lot of what i came up with were indie artists but at least somebody that has some sort of recognition in the U.S., but not necessarily in the world as a whole, so that it's not somebody that is already a known entity. Because I feel like when, like, the U.K. was going through that whole patch where they were just like, whose career needs propping up? Yeah. It didn't go well. Yeah. yeah. Like, it's great that, that, like, Bonnie Tyler was, like, finally willing to go, but it, it was not 1982. Yeah. So just sort of thinking about what's going on right now, like, if we did want to, to sort of go towards country... Which is something that, like, the Netherlands in particular seems to have an interest in and sort of doing very kind of guitar-based, sort of folk-driven country. They've done that a couple times to success. I would say, like, some of the vocalists that we have, like, Marin Morris could be a good one, given that she, I mean, she's done, she has some recognition because she just had, she has the middle right now with Zed. Yeah. Or Casey Musgraves in particular, her current album feels feels fresh as far as country. It doesn't feel like it hits all the cliches that a lot of radio country tends to. And like her performances that she's done on like an SNL, on Seth Meyers, on other places have had sort of a 70s variety show feel that feels like a good fit for what Eurovision mm-hmm. does in terms of it seems like she, she'd be willing to have fun with it and just sort of play it up thinking about reality show winners kelly clarkson would be great and she seems like she would have fun with it and just thinking of her album that came out last year love so soft is a fantastic song it has like a lot of really good energy and is like under so three good. minutes and and brings in a, a mixture of sort of pop and then sort of like american r&b soul behind it which would be good because that would give it sort of a unique flavor another band that i am currently just sort of going through the back catalog is uh, shannon and the clams it's this band of oakland where Shannon Shaw uh, and then Dan Auerbach of the Black Keys like found out about that band and like a huge fan has like done two albums with them this year. And they bring sort of like a 50s, 60s sort of guitar surf rocky feel that feel that again feels kind of American. Every so often at Eurovision you have artists sort of go back to like that 50s kind of almost rockabilly sound like Belgium years ago had an entry that if I remember yeah. correctly did not make it through to the finals. But it made it to the semis. But it made it to the semis. How did this get here? Like, yeah. <laughs> Thinking through the Melody, Vo- Melody Festival and thing is like, there's always that one song that's like done by a TV presenter that's like game to do a song about brushing your teeth. Just thinking about this year's, like I was like, why is this, why is there dancing food on my screen? And I'm like, okay, who would be willing to be the, the dancing food act? I'm like, Stephen Colbert. Stephen Colbert already on the, on the late show, like a couple years ago, did a, here's how American win- America wins Eurovision. So you know he's thought about this. Uh, he has a musical theater background. Uh, he's done liturgical dance on Strangers with Candy. <laughs> he would approach this with the the level of seriousness this much ridiculousness requires. I don't know. I feel like I've talked a lot about like my fantasy semi U.S. semifinal. Like, who would you guys try to book for this gig? I was looking back at you know other strategies by the Big Five since I feel like if 
the U.S. came in, they would probably be like a bigger one by, you know, just by sheer mass. You had like your Electro Velvets and your Madame Messieurs. And that reminded me of sort of like all those like Electro duos that get into Apple commercials like uh, Sophie Tucker or Marion Hill. But like in practice, like their music is way better suited to like a 30 minute snippet than a big song because their music's fine, but it just doesn't have those sorts of like ta-da moments you know that you kind of need every time i would go to like an an ipod commercial song i'd be like okay cool these 30 seconds are great yeah yeah and, and then, then it's like the okay we song. get it at minute 341 you know yeah bruno mars is too big although he'd probably be perfect you know when i was thinking of shiny hat like excitable pop that also kind of represents an aspect of america i mean kids bop is you know very very american in that it tries to shelter children from the weird locutions and sexual aspects and curses of pop. Um, and it's always very bright. Even like the, you know, the version of Float On by Modest Mouse is one of the most inspiring things I've heard in a very long time. Um, <laughs> Why does that exist? <laughs> because the song got because very it's big a, because, and that's but what that's the, the thing, because of do, America. They take the biggest yeah. songs of the day and they chew them up. It is very American, that whole ideal of like, sanitizing it so that to protect the children even though the children probably have a better idea of like what the lyrics are about than their parents then like i was thinking of you know how cascada came back a couple of years ago and i mean florida georgia line i think is kind of the cascada of our day if only because they're willing to sort of go into any genre and make it theirs the way that cascada has with uh, their covers and you know now they're doing music with the chain smokers and baby hmm. rexa and they're they're very malleable as far as pop goes I mean, the perfect act would have been the Black Eyed Peas because yeah. they have that kind of like perfect blend of commercialism and catchiness. The Fergie era Black Eyed Peas, yes. Fergie era Black Eyed Peas. That's what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I forgot that she's out of the band now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah um, they really are just like two separate bands. Yeah. No, they absolutely are. I, I have had students write papers on this fact, actually. So, yes. And I... I fully agree with their theses yes but yeah like the fergie are like like i've got a feeling you know like anything that you could hear at a wedding would kind of be great for a eurovision song from america but i mean honestly if we do do this it'll probably be megan trainer yeah it's, it's gonna be an internal selection and yeah they're gonna pick megan trainer and yeah. it'll just groan the entire time because people are really really backing her after even she has album number three on the way and people are really excited about it and it's going to be her uh, 0304. I mean, there are people who work in licensing because she's already sold the first single to a Target commercial. So <laughs> I, 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 I kind of like a couple of her songs. Anyway, yeah. uh, <laughs> no, I'm sorry. I get moving on. I get no, very um, vehement about her. I'm going to get kicked sudden, out of Massachusetts for all the way that I gone. <laughs> yeah. So like in, in coming up with my list, I was trying to think of what artists out there are ethno jazz but with dubstep oh elements. god mike this year's contest is over we never have to say ethno jazz again yeah um <laughs> yeah i i couldn't think of anything that met all of those criteria so what what did come to mind is okay so 
because of Eurovision and because of RuPaul's Drag Race, my Spotify discovery algorithm is completely broken. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, every Monday it's just a journey into my questionable taste. And one, one of today's selections was uh, Miss Vanjie's single. Spoiler, it is not good. But uh, <laughs> it, it did get me thinking that, well, like considering that Eurovision in the U.S. is shown on Logo, which used to be the home of RuPaul's Drag Race, it makes perfect sense that a RuPaul's Drag Race alum would probably be an obvious choice. And I mean, there are some contestants on there who like actually have some singing talent. So like Adore Delano, who was on American Idol back in, I think it was season eight. I think it was seven, but it was uh, when, when it was, uh, she was known as Danny Noriega. She became a meme on the soup and everything. Some people weren't liking it. Yeah, her head yeah. <laughs> like float across the screen. It's great. Yeah, um, but then kind of going into the like all of the country acts that you were suggesting, Ben, like Trixie Mattel, like is actually either just finished a tour or is still on tour, like for her country album, and I I could see that sort of working. But in terms of like bigger name acts, Train no. immediately jumped to mind. Yeah, I I don't think anybody would be happy about that, but I don't know who Train's audience is it's it's cbs yeah and like <laughs> the, the cbs of bands you leave it on for your cat yeah yeah so i mean it's just but i don't think that they would do it i mean th- th- they'll do anything for a paycheck but i think they're just like a little too jaundiced to be yeah. like like oh do we have to go all the way over there nah forget it so right um Pitbull also probably would not say no. Just speaking of the World Cup, he's done a couple of the songs there, so he has a global appeal. Mr. Worldwide. But he, exactly. I don't think he'd want to tether himself to a country because it would be bad for mm, his brand. True. He, he's Mr. Worldwide. Also, like I, I, I would think that he would probably um, – he, he's of Cuban descent, right? Yes. Yeah. Like I, I would think he'd probably want to like represent Cuba Absolutely, rather yeah. than yeah. U.S. So – yeah, uh, and then like Little Big Town, who I only know from them Popping appearing up the Grammys, every year yes. on the Grammys. So it's like, oh well, this will give them something to do after like the first week of February. So uh, Black Street, who was part of FYR Maced- was it FYR Macedonia or Montenegro? Yeah, it was. Uh, it was a few years it back. Was, no, it was Macedonia. Okay, yeah, I think they were just as surprised to be there as everybody else was. <laughs> so maybe if they like went in willingly, it would with, be like a little bit of, with a little bit of prep time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then one that jumped to mind, like as we were kind of doing our pre-show prep, uh, Jake Shears, formerly of Scissor Sisters. Um, yeah, like I, I think amazing. he just had an album that came out, and yeah, I think it would be the right match of like sort of Euro fabulousness, but still like with an American twist. W- yeah. Um, with that American twist. Yeah. Uh, like Anna Matronic, who was also part of scissor sisters. Uh, she's done commentary for, I think it was BBC two for like the semifinals or something. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like there is already that kind of Eurovision connection happening there, but it would, it would probably be black eyed peas or Megan trainer or Megan trainer with the black eyed peas. Wait. How about that? Uh, oh God. Uh, just set I... it on <laughs> fire. Set all of it on fire. I actually had a, a, during our discussion, especially about discover weekly, I had a realization that might be the most American and possibly greatest pick of all. And I want to just throw it out. Weird Al Yankovic. Ooh. That could be A master of every American song form. True. An amazing musician. A complete original. Mm -hmm. 
this this is that is actually very good. Like he he can he's very good at sort of figuring out the bones of a genre and working with it. Yeah. So if anybody can sort of take in all of the Eurovision data and pop out a song. Yeah. The American dream. And I don't think it would be mean spirited, especially if he was doing like an original composition. No, absolutely. That's what I was thinking. He would write something because he's such a he's so skilled at like working in other music idioms as evidenced by the, you know, the the original songs that he does and everything. I mean this totally like seriously, like mm-hmm. you know, in oh, yeah. all oh, yeah. of his no, talent. I just, yeah. I just yeah, yeah. listened to like he put out a video I, within like the last couple weeks just from his latest tour where it was mm-hmm. literally a clip of every single cover he had done oh, on gosh. the tour, and it's like seventeen minutes long, and like he's covering like oh, wow. a wide swath of American rock and pop, and sort of like from like the sixties to today, just in terms yeah. of his choice of covers, he can do it all. Yeah. Although something that's been that I've been noticing like in our conversation about this is like we keep talking about like throwbacks and oh they have like really good like 70s sound or 80s sound or like is it possible for like the US to send somebody with like a current or like near future sound or is that just never going to happen Have you, have you heard 2018 pop I've, I've tried to avoid it but yeah, you're better off <laughs> Yeah that's why <laughs> I mean, well, that's the thing, right, is is like 2018 pop, it's so either complacent, it's complacent in, in one of two ways. It's either like, I'm rich, or it's I'm depressed and I'm just going to wallow and, and moan about it. You know, those are the two like polls right now that have a strong pull on the charts at the moment. This might change in a couple of weeks with the um, rejiggering of the Hot 100 as far as paid and free streams. But right now... If you look at the top 10, it's mostly those two sentiments. And neither of those, I think, are fit, fit into the Eurovision milieu. Yeah, yeah. Neither of those sentiments of, of I'm rich or just I'm sad, screw we yeah. all, uh, really works for Eurovision. I mean, you, you do have very emotional ballads, but they're not really just wallowing in despair. Yeah. Yeah, the, the other end of... 2018 pop is like i just i just keep thinking of like the classic example of oh what you hear at la fitness while you're like changing in the locker room or something and it's like Mm -hmm. oh yeah so like what what was it poland send this year where it's just like it's like mom edm right it's like no no that 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 is not our sound (laughs) yeah just (laughs) yeah just mom slash hill song edm and no thank you Mm -hmm. (laughs) speaking of liturgical dancing yeah yeah Oh, goodness. So, uh, yeah, I guess the good news is we don't have to worry about this happening anytime At soon. At least not for 2019. Yeah. There's too much paperwork. Oh, goodness. Yeah. No. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, there, there are the rumors of like the EBU, like trying to set up a, like a U.S. specific version of the Eurovision Song Contest where it would just be the states competing with one another. I have no idea how that would work. Uh, oh, like that just like i don't know yeah the north dakota sound versus like the new mexico sound like i have no idea if those are things that exist or <laughs> did you ever watch um the next great american band did you remember oh, do, do you, do you i remember, remember that? seeing it and i feel like that was back when i was working on college radio and we had like some band that had been on that cd come in oh nice okay yeah the idea of like states going against each other reminds me of that where the genre disparities were so wide you had like this like all brother bluegrass trio that was like shredding on you know their small guitars and then you had the you know the big rock band and everything 
Um, and I feel like it would probably wind up like that. And if so, I hope Johnny Resnick would judge because he was actually really great as a judge too. get Josh, get him together with Josh Groban stat. There we go. Yeah, there we go. All right. All right. Well, thank you again, Maura, for joining us. Oh my gosh, thanks. Uh, where this where is can really people fun. find you online? Well, I have a Twitter at, at Maura, where I post lots of photos of my cat and observations on music. Um, I write for the Boston Globe and Rolling Stone and a bunch of other publications around. And um, I also keep try to keep my doings up to date at Maura.com. Awesome. Thank Very you nice. so much. Thank you. And yeah, that's going to do it for this episode of the EuroWhat. Uh, you can find our previous episodes on our website at eurowhat.com or by subscribing through Apple Podcasts or the podcast app of your choice. Uh, when you add the subscription, feel free to rate and review us to let us know how we're doing and help other Eurovision fans find us. Uh, you can also find us on social media at EuroWhat on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And yeah, we'll be back in a couple of weeks. Happy 4th, everybody. Happy 4th. Happy 4th.